Hey, welcome to the Word Weaver podcast, a place dedicated to the powerful web words weave and the deep layers they uncover. Here you'll find a compilation of tips, tricks, and words of wisdom from writers, authors, creatives, and entrepreneurs. Basically, cool people doing cool things in the world and how they've used words as weapons of mass creation and inspiration. You'll also hear from me, your host, Louise Johnson. I'm a former marketing maven in New York and Switzerland. I left a lucrative job to follow my dream of becoming a writer. It's a never-ending journey, so I figured we should all be in it together. I've learned a lot along the way, but it's a constant evolution. My favorite part is how little by little, letters turn into words, words become sentences, sentences become paragraphs, and before you know it, you've created something from nothing. And whenever that happens in life, it's nothing short of magic. So grab a coffee or a glass of wine, and let's dive into today's chapter. Hey, welcome back to the Word Weaver podcast. You're listening to chapter 11 on how to edit your book. As I'm sure you can probably tell by now with the pattern of the podcast, I try to alternate every week with an interview and then a topic related to the craft of writing. There's so much information out there on how to write an article, how to write a book, that I wanted to kind of break it down into smaller little podcast chapters that you can pick and choose as you go through your own writing journey at whatever pace suits your writing style. The last couple of chapters where it's just been me talking, I haven't been interviewing someone, I've gone through how to outline the book and then also how to write a really strong opening first chapter. Today is all about after you've finished that first draft. You've finished outlining, you've finished writing your first chapter, and you've gone through the entire process from beginning to end. Writing the first draft for me, I think, was the hardest part because you're staring at a blank page day in and day out. That's when you're literally creating something from nothing. Like I said in earlier chapters, I always allow my first draft to be really crappy. I just want to information dump, put everything into that first draft because it's a lot easier to edit something on the page than nothing at all. After you finish writing your first draft, which can take anywhere from three months to a year to multiple years, depending on how much time you're able to commit to writing every day. For me, by the end of it, my first draft was about 100,000 words. That's far too long for any fiction or nonfiction book usually. Mine, I wanted to get it down to 90,000 words, which I was able to do, but cutting 10,000 words also took a very long time. That's why the editing process is arguably the most important. After you've outlined, after you've written that first draft, the real work is just beginning. Whether you're self-publishing or trying to find a literary agent to traditionally publish, editing is crucial to get your manuscript into the best shape possible. The competition is so fierce on both avenues that there's no longer any room for error. It's your one shot to make a really good first impression. I know a lot of writers think that once they get a literary agent or publisher that their manuscript will be edited anyway, which is true. Your book will be edited multiple times by a literary agent and their team as well as the publishing house, but to get them to even look at your manuscript in the first place, it has to be almost publishing ready by the time they get those first pages in their hands. So that's why today's chapter is devoted entirely to the editing process. It can be the most tedious part of writing a book, but it can also be the most rewarding. This is when you really get to mold and fine-tune your story into something that you're so proud to share and see on shelf. I'll walk you through exactly how I edited my manuscript, resources that I found extremely helpful, and my favorite tried and true tips and tricks of the trade. 
Firstly, you have to give yourself permission to write a really crappy first draft. Do not try to edit as you go. I repeat, do not try to edit your book as you write your first draft. This is so important. If you're trying to edit your book as you go and finesse each paragraph, each chapter, each sentence, then the problem is you're not likely to finish your manuscript in the first place. And if you don't finish, then you have nothing to edit. And if you have nothing to edit, then you have nothing to pitch to a literary agent or a publishing house. Most writers are perfectionists, so this is really hard for them not to edit as they go. I know that at first I found it very challenging not to go back and rewrite every sentence that I thought was a little awkward, but I quickly realized that I would be a hundred by the time I finished the first draft of my manuscript if I continued with that self-editing as I went kind of pace. If you edit as you go, you'll also lose motivation to keep writing a lot quicker. You'll become fixated and frustrated with the words on the page instead of getting the story out that you want to tell. So give yourself permission to write a really crappy first draft and just know that there's no need to worry at this stage because you're going to come back and edit and mold and finesse those sentences into the story that you really want to tell. Once that first draft is complete and you've made sure that you've saved it on multiple backup hard drives, on your Google Cloud, on Dropbox, or what I like to do is even print a hard copy so that I know if my computer blows up or I lose all of my USB keys, at least I have a hard copy that I could retype down the road if need be. Then I put that first draft away and I don't look at it for at least a week to two weeks and if you can manage, even a month is ideal. I didn't really believe it at first. Once I was done my first draft, I wanted to dive into editing right away and get that story ready so that I could start pitching. But I can't stress enough what having a fresh perspective and fresh eyes on that story really does for the manuscript. Taking time and space away from the words that I had just thought dumped onto the paper was the best thing that I could have done. I came back and was able to see the big picture of the story and the plot holes, the characters that were missing, what I needed to change, what I needed to rearrange, what I needed to add or cut. It was the only way that I was going to see that big picture was getting distance from it. After I'd given my book some time to itself in the bottom of a drawer, I took it out poured myself a cup of coffee, lit a candle, and I did an entire read-through. I tried to do this within two days. So remember, it is a full book. It was almost 100,000 words that I was trying to read pretty quickly. I didn't make any plans. I didn't see anyone. I didn't do any other work except reading that manuscript from beginning to end. I didn't want any distractions to take me out of the story and the full picture that I was trying to get of the manuscript. The way that I divide myself editing is first I do a big developmental edit and that's looking at the content of what's in the book. Then the second part is more mechanical where I'm going into the copy and line editing looking for spelling and grammar mistakes. During the developmental editing phase, I go through with color-coded markers and I just mark any passages that I think need more explanation. Either I just mentioned something and it's not quite clear, needs more words. Then with another colored pen, I mark something that is too long, where I over-explained and even as the reader, I got bored. Then with another colored pen, I mark any parts that I liked or sparked emotion in me. This is good not just to give myself a boost, but also to show me what things I connect with so that I can add more of that into the manuscript. 
As I'm marking these passages in the physical printed copy of the manuscript, I'm also keeping a separate notebook where I mention the chapter and the page number of the passage that I need to either add, cut, expand, or refine. I make sure that I'm consistent with my color coding in the printed document as well as in my notebook so that it's easy for me just at a glance to see how many scenes do I actually need to add, how many am I trying to cut, and which ones just need a little fine tuning and polishing. Again, in separate colors, I will also note any passages that I want to move or rearrange. It's kind of like a puzzle piece. Some paragraphs that I thought worked better later in the story, I actually think I want to move them up earlier so that the action gets going a lot quicker. And then lastly, especially since my book is nonfiction, I note anything that needs to be fact-checked. You'd be surprised at how many little things you have to cross-reference. I had to double-check years on when color TV was actually invented, or the first New York City taxi cab, which was actually just a horse and buggy. It's really important for me and my process to go through that manuscript pretty quickly and I'm just color coding and noting the changes that I want to make without taking the time to make them as I go. Otherwise, I could spend all day fact-checking doing research and I'm not really getting to the core of the changes that I need to rearrange or make to shape the book into what I want it to be. In your separate notebook, as you're going through and noting the page numbers and the passages that you want to change, that's where you can quickly jot down any more details that you want to add down the line during your second or third read-through. After you've done that once-over of your manuscript, it's time to go back to your notebook and start implementing those changes onto your computer. I always like to start by adding scenes that needed more explanation or required a connector to go from one chapter to the next. That part takes the longest for me in the editing process since I'm writing something from scratch. Afterwards, I go through and cut all of the scenes that I noted were too long or boring or didn't add to the overall story. This is often the hardest part for writers because you've just spent so long painstakingly writing these words that you just can't bring yourself to cut them. There's a famous phrase when it comes to editing and it's kill your darlings. It's a really old saying that's been attributed to, I think, Faulkner and also Oscar Wilde, but I looked it up and the saying comes from a 1913 professor at Cambridge, his name was Arthur Quiller Couch, and in one of his lectures on the art of writing, he says at the very end, murder your darlings. The saying eventually evolved into kill your darlings, but it's so graphic that it becomes a memorable catchphrase for editing a book. When you've worked so long on something, by the end, every sentence, every word becomes like your baby that to completely cut it out of the book almost feels sacrilegious. But killing your darlings or murdering your darlings, as Arthur said, is imperative to making sure that the narrative flows, it's crisp, it's concise, and it's readable. I have a really hard time cutting passages that I think are great but I know don't add to the story, so I actually keep a separate Word document and I just call it trash pile, and that way I just put it in there and I actually save it. I don't put it into the trash on my computer. That way if I ever want to reference it or maybe one of the sentences sparks an idea for a new book, I can always go back and those ideas aren't completely lost. They're just stripped away from my current manuscript. Then after I've added my scenes and killed my darlings, I go about the process of moving and rearranging the entire structure of the book. It's only clear when passages need to be moved earlier or later once you have that bird's eye view from reading the book beginning to end. 
After all the big developmental edits are done, I've filled in the plot holes, I've beefed up some characters, I've changed around some scenes. I do another read-through for mechanical edits. This means I'm checking for grammar, spelling, making sure the formatting is right, that everything is Times New Roman, double space, 12-point font, my chapter titles and page numbers are in place. Just fine-tuning all of the little details so that it looks like a beautiful, polished, finished manuscript. When you're doing all of these mechanical edits, I highly recommend you get a copy of the Chicago Manual of Style. You might have already heard of it before. It's this giant textbook-looking book. There are 17 editions. It was first published in 1906, so it's over 100 years old. But it is the go-to style guide for writers, editors, and publishers around the world. It gives you tips on the proper way to lay out your table of contents, if you have any sources, how you put that at the back in an appendix or an index. It's not a cheap resource, but it really is the best, and it's what every professional editor uses to make sure that your manuscript is in the best place possible before it goes to publication. I got my 17th edition off of Amazon, and it was about $70, but you can definitely get earlier editions if you're not too concerned about having the latest and greatest. I know that the 16th edition was around $50 on Amazon, and I think anything below that you could get for $30. Okay, so after I've done all of the self-editing myself, both developmental and mechanical, then I need to get other people's eyeballs on my work. I'm way too close to it, no matter how much time and space and distance I give by putting it in a drawer again. I will always be too close to my work as the writer and creator of the book. That's where critique partners and beta readers come in. A beta reader is just someone who reads your manuscript, they're not a professional, but they go through and test whether your book has the intended emotional impact and feel that you're going for. To put it simply, a beta reader is your target audience. These can be friends and family, but ideally you want somebody who's a little removed from your life, especially if it's nonfiction like my book. I wanted somebody who didn't know my story and to gauge whether or not they connected with it. Those can be hard to find. I found mine through a friend of a friend, but you can also find beta readers online. If you do a quick Google search, you'll find a flurry of Facebook groups and Goodreads forums that are always looking for beta readers. A critique partner is similar to a beta reader, except the only difference is that they are usually another writer. They might have more of a critical writer's eye and looking at your format and structure than a beta reader would. In an ideal scenario, after you've done your self-editing, you would find both a critique partner and a beta reader. I found critique partners by going back to old classmates that I had in journalism school, and I also took advantage of something called the Writers' Union of Canada. I believe the website is writersunion.ca, but I'll leave all of those links in the show notes. I live in Canada, so that's why I was able to take advantage of this resource, but I'm sure there's something similar in the States. The Writers' Union of Canada actually has a manuscript evaluation service where you can upload the first 10 pages of your manuscript or the entire thing for a fee and a professional writer will edit it for you. You remain completely anonymous, you don't put your name on the manuscript at all, and they will give you back full developmental edits and some mechanical edits as well if you ask for that. The only issue with going to more of a professional body to edit your work instead of friends and family or friends of friends is that it can be quite pricey. 
Oftentimes, it can get up to $2 a page. And if you have a 370-page book or a 400-page book, which is quite large, but if you use that example, it can be anywhere from $800 to $1,000 for a professional editor to comb through your entire manuscript. At this stage, writers have been in isolation for so long looking at their own words that they're almost seeking validation from a professional editor to critique their work, and that is great. It's just important to remember that writing is subjective, so what one person's opinion of your work is isn't necessarily what the rest of the world or other readers will think of it. You can also get caught in the trap of professional editors who aren't actually that good. So you want to make sure you're doing your research. Have they edited for other authors who have self-published but also traditionally published? You can always check to see if they have any diplomas or certificates in writing that lend to their expertise. The Writers Union of Canada is a pretty well-known body in the country, so I felt comfortable going with them. After you've had beta readers, critique partners, or a professional editor take a look at your manuscript, you'll want to combine all of the feedback that you felt was strong into one final crisp draft. If you receive some feedback that you don't actually feel in your gut is the direction that you want to go with your story, feel free to omit it. At the end of the day, this is your book, this is your baby, so you want to be putting your best foot forward. And you're going to get a lot of opinions, so you have to wade through all of that and make sure you're going ahead with something that you truly believe in. When you're asking people to critique your work, it can be really challenging because you've put your heart and soul into this, so you do have to develop a thick skin, which is always easier said than done. But at any point in life, whenever you put yourself out there, there are always going to be critics. There's always going to be somebody who doesn't like your work. And again, as I said, especially with writing because it is so, so, so subjective. It's not like a math problem where there's the right or wrong answer. Writing is emotional and what connects to one person might not connect to another. After you've gone through multiple iterations, maybe three, four, even five drafts, and you have a final, final, final version that you're really proud of, then you can start pitching literary agents or upload the Word document onto your favorite self-publishing platform. That's it for today's chapter of the Word Weaver podcast. I hope you learned something about the editing process. If you have any questions, I'm always here. And again, I'll leave some of the resources that I mentioned in the show notes for this chapter. You can find those at louiseclairjohnson.com podcast. And you can also find us on Instagram at Word Weaver podcast. If you like what you heard today, head into that Stitcher or Apple Podcasts app, scroll down to the bottom, and feel free to leave a review because that's how more people can find out about the Word Weaver podcast. Until next time! I had a wait with words for a while.